0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We're just going to jump right into it today. Um, our um, message this week, our, our series um, for the next few weeks, is called "Horticulture," And what we're doing is we're really talking about how everything in life, Everything, especially in our spiritual life, is really tied to our hearts and how the root of the words we say and the way we pray and the way we act and the way we speak in faith um, should all be initiated from a place inside our heart. Um, Pastor Brandon talked last week about how our heart is so closely connected to the words we speak. And today, I actually will kind of be touching on a couple of those things again today. But for today's lesson and message, and I think it's kind of a timely message being what's going on right now, is how our heart is tied to our faith, how our heart is so deeply entwined in what we truly believe. And so today, we're just going to jump right into it. Um, I'm going to start with this scripture in Mark 11:12 12 uh, through 14, and we'll, we'll be kind of coming back and referencing this scripture throughout the message, but I'm just going to read it right now. It simply says, And the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, about 10 years ago, um, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Hawaii. And um, we're photographers, and we had some clients and some friends that were like, hey, can you guys come take pictures of our wedding in Hawaii? And we're like, yes, yes absolutely, we can do that. And, and they were uh, willing to sort of pay our way, and we actually even made a little money out of the deal. And at the time, my uh, best friend Casey, my wife's uh, cousin, uh, Casey Eaton, was in Hawaii, and he uh, was commander over one of the wings of the Air Force Base there. And so we called them up, and we're like, uh, hey, we're coming to Hawaii. We're going to be there for a couple of days on your island. We want to get with you. We want to spend time with the family. We want to hang out. But I've got a favor to ask you. Can you teach me how to surf? I just really wanted to learn how to surf. I've always kind of like a bucket list item. I was like, I want to learn how to surf. I, I want to get out there and, and do this thing. And he's like, sure, man, we'll, we'll do it. And, and I'll, I'll make time for that. And I was like, all right. Now, I have to tell you something about my friend Casey. My friend Casey is an overachiever, all right? He is good at everything, including surfing. He is one of these guys that you see that just succeeds and excels at everything. As a matter of fact, most of you guys have probably seen my buddy Casey Eaton because he was commander over Air Force One, and he escorted President Obama and President Trump off of the plane. He was in charge of all of that stuff. He was an overachiever, okay? Okay he's kind of a big deal. And so I had full confidence that my buddy Casey could teach me how to surf because I've seen him do it. I'd seen the post. I'd seen, well, actually, I don't know if there were posts back then. I'm not, I don't remember about that. But I knew he could surf. And um, so we get to Hawaii. We fly to Hawaii. We get there. We, we meet up with him. We, we hang out with the family for a while. And he's like, all right, tomorrow we're going to go surfing. We're going to uh, head out to the beach and we're going to go to this place where they rent surfboards, and this is going to happen. And I'm like, yes, this is going to happen. By the, the, by the end of the day, I'm going to be surfing. By the end of the day, I am going to be Dave Levesque, Big Kahuna. That is who I'm going to be by the end of the day because I'm with my pal Casey. We're going to surf. So we get the surfboards. We put them on the sand, and, um, and we learn, Well, you know, he kind of gives me the little crash lesson in surfing, and it's like, okay, you lay on the surfboard, you you paddle out, and then he teaches me how to pop up. He teaches me how to kind of go over the waves, and I'm like, okay, I got it. No big deal. This is going to be great. I am going to be a surfer by the end of the day. Amazing. So we head out into the water, and I begin to realize real quickly that waves in Hawaii are not like waves in Texas, all right? Waves in Hawaii are big. Waves in Texas are Almost non existent, all right. They just barely are even there. Like you're just hoping for a windy day so you can see some surf. And so in Hawaii, these waves were five to eight feet high and they came at you about 10 to 15 feet apart, just wave after wave after wave. And so I'm like, it's all right. I can still do this because I'm with Casey Eaton and, and he's got me, all right. Well, this is going to be fine. And so, and so I'm paddling out into the surf and I'm already immediately starting to get kind of winded and kind of tired. Because I began to realize quickly that uh, surfing is a very aerobic sport. Didn't realize this. I was just like, hey, I'm going to do it. This is going to happen. And, and I paddle and I stop because I'm getting tired and I look and I still see little kids, you know, like boogie boarding and stuff. And I'm like, okay, clearly I'm not out far enough yet to uh, catch a wave. So, and Casey's way up in front of me. And so I keep paddling, I keep paddling, and I'm really struggling against the waves that keep kind of crashing against me. But I'm struggling and I want to do this so badly that I'm like, just bear down and you can get through this. And so I'm really paddling out there trying to get it done. And I stop again and I see Casey is already sitting on his surfboard out past the breaking waves just waiting on me like, Dave, what's up? You know, come on. And I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest to get there. So I I make one last attempt. Now at this time, my heart is already beating very rapidly and my muscles are already starting to kind of cramp up and give out on me. But I make one last ditch attempt to get past all these breaking waves, to get out there where my buddy Casey is so that I can surf. And so I paddle a little harder. I'm just keeping my head down and really trying to go at it. And I stop for one last time, and I'm still only about halfway there. And I began to realize very quickly that this was it for me. You know, I had these dreams and I had these visions that at any moment now I was going to be standing up on my surfboard and my wife was going to be looking at me from the shore longingly as her big kahuna, who is now the surfer in Hawaii. And I realized that that dream was not going to happen because what had happened is I had no more energy left. My heart was literally pounding out of my chest. I could not hardly move a muscle and now i begin to get worried that i'm not even going to be able to make it back to the shore because i have no energy at all and so i literally am laying on my surfboard just probably drool coming out of my mouth i don't know and i'm just whimpering along trying not to die trying just not to drown in the ocean and i finally make it to the sand And I have enough energy to get my surfboard up and lay down and collapse. And my wife walks over to me, and she stands above me. She is not looking at me longingly like her big kahuna. She is looking at me like, you're going to be all right. Do I need to call somebody? What is going on here? And as as I gained my breath, I began to realize something, that even though I'd spoke the words, even though I had it in my mind, I had a vision of exactly what was happening, even though I was in Hawaii and I was with somebody who was very capable, even though I was imitating my buddy Casey, I was doing everything that he did, but I wasn't prepared for the battle because my heart literally wasn't in it. My heart had no more to give. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's beginning to see a little crack in how their faith is affecting their heart and how their heart is affecting their faith. He's beginning to see that, guys, um, you've been with me all this time, you, you've seen the things I've done, but you're not really understanding who I really am. And I think what he wants them to see is that, you know, faith is gonna require. Some tenacity. The first point today is that with faith, our heart has to be in it to win it. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I believe Jesus is wanting the disciples and wanting us to understand today that, that when we focus on our heart, when we focus on what God has done for us, who God is to us, the plans God has for us, that when we get that so deeply in our heart, it's going to help us change the way we live, the way we speak, the way we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, You see, this was just another day for Jesus. He just woke up, got up, started walking. He was hungry, all right? And he saw a fig tree. Now, Jesus had the hankering for some fig newtons this day, all right? He was wanting some fig newtons. He was hungry. So he's walking towards the fig tree. And he gets closer to it and he's not seeing anything. He gets closer to it. He doesn't see anything. He finally looks to it. There's nothing there. And so Jesus says, you know what? I just had it with you today, fig tree. Nobody's ever going to eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples hear this. And they're kind of like, that's weird. That's weird. Why did Jesus, he just cursed a fig tree, right? What's up with that? I mean, is this some lesson we're supposed to learn? What is happening with this? And sure enough, The next day, they're walking by the tree again. And the disciples see that the fig tree is dead. And they start going, hey, guys, come here. Uh, That's the fig tree, right? That's the fig tree that we walked by yesterday. And Jesus was like, nobody's ever going to eat fruit from here again. And it's dead. Like, is that weird? Is that weird? that really, that's the tree, right? And they're like, yeah, that's the tree. Maybe, maybe God's trying to tell us something. Maybe God's trying to teach us something. They're like, maybe we should ask him about it. And they're like, no, not it, not it, not it. Peter, you do it. You always put your foot in your mouth. You ask him. And so Peter goes up to Jesus, and he's like, Rabbi, look. Look what you did. The fig tree that you cursed is dead. He, he's doing his best Gomer Pyle impression. He's like, golly. Jesus, look what you did. And Jesus is like, guys, you're not getting it. You're not understanding. You're not understanding who I really am. You've been walking with me all this time, but you're not really getting it. Have you ever been in one of those moments? Have you ever been in a situation where somebody said or done something, and and it's just like, yeah, that's obvious. Jesus is in one of those moments right now. He's cluing them in, hey, this is an obvious situation. This shouldn't be a surprise to you. I- I've been in a situation like this not long ago. My daughter, she loves sandwiches. If we ask, where do you want to go to eat? She's like, I want a sandwich. 98% of the time, always a sandwich. So I picked her up from dance one day. We were heading home. I was like, you want a Subway sandwich? She's like, yeah, I want a Subway sandwich. So we drive up to the subway over here, and we pull into the drive through and I ordered a sandwich and she gets a foot long on wheat with turkey and cheese and lettuce and green onions and pickles and ranch. That's her order. Maybe that's weird that I know it. I don't know. But that's her order. That's what she gets every time. All right. And so I order the sandwich and, and, the, and the girl comes through the speaker. and She's like, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, we can't make that sandwich. I was like, okay, what's wrong? Yeah, you Lost electricity? Is the gas not working? What is going on in Subway that you can't make a sandwich? She's like, Well, sir, this is a little embarrassing, but we don't have any bread. <laughs> this is Subway Sandwich Shop. And this is not like at the end of the day. This is not 10 or 11 at night. This is in the middle of the day. It's about 5.30, 6 o'clock. They still have five more hours to make sandwiches. And they are out of bread. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were the CEO of Subway Sandwich Shop and I was coming through San Angelo and I'm checking out all my franchises and I go to all the others and they're thumbs up, A plus, and I drive over here to Knickerbocker and I order a sandwich and I'm like, I want a Subway, I want all the works, give it to me. They're like, I'm sorry, sir, Uh, we can't make that. And he's like, why? What is wrong in there? What happened? Uh, Sir, we're out of bread. I have a feeling... That the CEO of Subway Sandwich Shop would be pretty upset that his own franchise, that his own Subway was out of bread. Because you see, he knows everything about Subway sandwiches. Everything. He knows how the stores put together. He knows how the the meats and... Uh, Condiments and veggies are laid out. He knows what temperature they're supposed to be kept at. He knows how they're supposed to be served. He knows how the sandwich artistes are supposed to act and behave and put a sandwich together. He knows everything. And he also knows that at Subway, they make their own bread. How do you run out of bread at a sandwich shop that I've put together and you make your own bread? I have a feeling... He would shut the place down. you're You're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. You're all fired. We are starting over because you guys have missed the point. You do not understand what this is here for. We're here to make sandwiches. Jesus is walking by a fig tree. He is the CEO and founder of the Fig Newton Corporation. He knows everything about that fig tree. He knows how the seed is made. He knows how it's planted. He knows how it uh, germinates and how it grows and, and sprouts and how photosynthesis takes place. He knows everything about it. And he walks by something that he created. God the Father has given him all knowledge and authority of this earth. He knows everything about it. And the disciples are freaked out that the guy that made the fig tree can say to the fig tree, nobody's going to eat fruit from you again, and it actually dies. And Jesus is like, guys, what are you not understanding? You've been walking with me through this life. You've seen me do the miracles. You've seen me deliver people. You've seen me bring peace into situations. You've seen me turn the religious world on its head. You've seen me have an impact on life after life after life, you are literally walking with the presence of God. And you guys are freaked out that I can speak to something that I created and, it's, and what I say actually happens. He's like, come here, guys. I want to sh- show you something. See that mountain over there? Here's what I want you to understand. I'm going to up the ante from the fig tree on you. He's like, here's what I want you to understand. If you say to that mountain, not if I say, if you say to that mountain, be thou removed and be thrown into the sea and you do not doubt in your heart, whatever you ask will be done. Now, I don't know about y'all, but to me, whatever means whatever. And so he's trying to get the disciples to understand who God really is, who he really is. Because what's happening is they don't have a true understanding and a true revelation of the person that they are spending day after day after day with. They don't have a true revelation and understanding of who God really is, what God really wants to do, what God is is desiring to do in their lives. What What he needs them to see is that a faith that speaks comes from a heart that seeks who God truly is. Because when we begin to understand that in our hearts, It's not just us making up some kind of words. It's not just us imitating what we heard somebody say. It's not just praying like somebody told us this is how you have to pray. It's not just surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. It's that all of this is flowing from inside of us. It's flowing from inside of our hearts. The problem with this is that the enemy knows this. Hebrews um, 11.1 says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means that the very substance of faith is our hope that God is going to do and be and accomplish what He says He'll do. But the evidence of faith is invisible. You can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't touch it. And we live in a world... Where we can see and feel and touch every single thing around us. And the enemy wants us to stay focused on those things we can see. On that mountain in front of us on that wave that comes crashing against us wave after wave, on that sickness, on that virus, on that lack of money in our bank account, on that relationship issue, on that fear, on that anxiety, because He knows if He can keep us focused on those things that are visible to us in this world that we're not focused on the things that are invisible to us in God's kingdom, and those things are that He has given us peace. Those things are that He has given us healing. Those things are that He has given us provision and that he has all authority and he has all the riches and he has everything we need and that's the things we need to be focused on are those things of faith that are invisible the bible says in romans ten seventeen. it says now then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god if you guys and i'll be honest with you um sometimes i have issues with this I'll be real honest with you, this whole whole thing that's been going on these past few weeks, it's hard for me. I'm up here preaching a sermon about faith, and yet I hear the news. I see what's going on. I feel the weirdness that's happening around me. And the only way for me to get out of that is to stop focusing on it, to stop seeing that mountain, and to start pouring God's Word into my heart. Because that's where my faith gets built. That's when I start seeing, okay, I need to build my faith by hearing God's Word. So if I can hear it, I listen to it. If I can speak it, I speak it. If I can surround myself with others who are going to speak into my life, then I do that. If I can come to church and sit under biblical teaching, I'm going to do that. Not because that's the answer, not because that's some kind of formula, but because those things are pouring into my heart. Because when my heart gets full of who God really is, of a revelation and understanding of what God has really done in my life, then when I see that mountain on the horizon, I see it. But I know that it's just sort of fuzzily there now because my hope is built on what God says, not what that mountain is telling me. And I just say, yeah, I see you, but you just need to get out of the way. And it will move. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus wants us, just like the disciples, to have faith in God. Romans 10, 8 through 10 says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I'm not trying to say today that speaking in faith is not a good thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a very necessary thing. I'm not trying to say that sitting in church is not a good thing. It's very necessary. Surrounding yourself with others that are going to speak in your life is a good thing. It's very necessary. Reading the Word is a good thing. It's very necessary. But with faith, the reason we're doing all those things is because it's pouring into our heart. And our bottom line today is that Is that with faith, the heart is not the only thing, but it is the main thing. Guard it, protect it, fill it with who and what God's Word says that Jesus is. Because it's then that we are going to be so filled with faith that when the mountains come and when the waves come crashing one after one against you, That you will be prepared to say to those mountains, get out of here. Because my God has got this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.